Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. do you feel about furries? Scalies is a new one to me. How do you feel about furries? Because I feel like I feel fine with furries, but I feel like there's a whole portion of the internet where people are very against them. Yeah, I never got it. Like, I don't know. It seems like it seems extremely harmless. And also just a bunch of people who are having fun with whatever it is that they're doing. Doesn't mean I understand it, but I don't need to understand something to be like, hey, they're not hurting nobody. It seems like they're having a good time. So like, yeah. why, why get involved in like... And also every like oh, my, my my furry interaction has been on average that they are nicer and uh, more fun to interact with than the uh, baseline. So, yeah, this is a pro, this is a pro for is there a neutral? T- Maybe we're not a pro furry podcast, but we are like uh, we're not anti, I guess. No, I do know, though, that um, by saying these things, you know, what we are inviting into our uh, into our What's feed. Your- What's your fursona? Uh, Do you have one? I have one. I have one I've thought about for years. And no one's drawn a picture of me in my as my fursona. I have two. I have okay. one. I have the one that I think is more from one that I chose myself. And then there is the one that I feel like the furries in the step back audience have bestowed upon me. Oh, that's good. I don't have one of those. What's the one you chose for yourself? I think it's something like a rhino. I feel very rhino-y. Oh. I, I have, I'm, I'm big. I have little beady eyes. Uh, rhinos, this is true. Rhinos notoriously, like they have really bad vision and you do have glasses. Yeah. I always think, I always think about that. And I'm just like, you know, that feels, it feels right to me. I like it. People are always after parts of my body to make their boners better. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, just, con- you know, the normal things. Mine, the one I've chosen for myself is a pug in a sweater vest. That's what oh, I that's feel is pretty much me. Like pugs, your your skull is mutated and deformed beyond all recognition. <laughs> that is a crime against humanity. <laughs> what has nature done to me? Every time I see a pug, that's all I see. And they're like, they're bulging eyes going in two different directions. I'm just like, <laughs> is genetic abuse a thing? Because if so, you are a victim of it. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Now, I don't have one that people have chosen for me that's interesting what have people chosen for you uh fox which i think is just like that feels like that feels like the like what like the vanilla like fox and wolf are like the vanilla and chocolate of the furry fandom you know okay they're like you're like your first go-to but i i I don't i don't feel i don't see it but uh i'll take it i definitely see rhino more i'll be honest with you yeah but that's just because I don't know. I when I think fox, I think I do think of the animated Robin Hood fox, which I think the, created many a furry. I, I which believe I think is, is the reason why furries exist potentially. It's because everyone, even if you're not a furry, everyone saw the animated Robin Hood fox and were like, "I get it. I'm into it." That was like like that that start like that. There was definitely a lot of people watching that with like that scene that that what's it called that one line from Community where it's like, "This better not awaken anything in me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it awakened everything in all of us. All right, everyone, you have your missions. 
draw me interest in, in either the fursona that we prefer or whatever you think is our whatever you see in us only do it for fun if you feel compelled to make this happen i won't pressure nobody into doing free labor but uh it yeah, would make no. it be very 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 funny to see do it uh, for fun if you want so scalies are, are talking about this so, so <laughs> yeah. scalies scalies are cousins of the furry fandom which they are furries who their persona is uh some side of reptile okay and then i was thinking because i thought like those are the two those like those are the two genders of the furry fandom but like which one of us is rango yeah i I mean, you you know who you I mean, you got close. You didn't guess the right species, but uh, it's probably I guess it's probably me. I guess I'm Rango. I've never even seen Rango Unchained. So um. <laughs> but I see you've outlined a big question here. Is there one for the bug people? Is there a term for for people whose persona is chitinous bugs? Are they shellies? That's a good question. Shellies. Uh, that could be like a mollusk thing. Even true. Um, Zoidbergs. Zoidbergs. <laughs> That's a good one. Um. Let's think. Bug people. Bugs Life. I think of a Bugs I was obsessed with Bugs when I was a kid. I watched a, bu- a Bugs Life was my favorite Pixar movie, and it is the one that, that Disney refuses to acknowledge these days. I think I've talked about this before. If you watch any of the Pixar movies on Disney+, Plus, even the old ones, all have the new Disney logo and the new Pixar logo in front of it, except for a Bugs Life, which still has the old Disney logo, because Disney doesn't even want to touch it. They don't even want to touch it. They don't even like have any of their animators near it because they'll get ideas about unionizing and things oh is that why yes i did not know that that i, I did not know that that was the reason and a bug's life is very much hey there's only one of him and there's tons of us sort of a thing that's you true know, we are the ants who gather the food and they just take the food it's like very much uh that sort of movie where disney would be like don't get any ideas I feel like Wally fits into that as well, but Wally is like, I guess it's it takes a bit more thinking. It's like Wally's about like how our addiction to cheap entertainment is gonna make us docile to like, you know, totalitarian control. But that as well. Huh. This is not Wally. a Pixar. Um, <laughs> this is not a Pixar movie podcast. No, this is a podcast though. It is a podcast. And I guess we're talking about bugs, potentially. Kind of. We're that's what do we talk about normally on this podcast? This yeah, this is it's probably not aliens, the podcast about uh the ancient astronaut theory, pseudo history, pseudo archaeology, just people who do past bad with a sort of yeah. focus on ancient aliens. That's the sort of idea. Yeah. And my name is Scott. I know nothing. I know a little bit about a bug's life because as I said, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. It was my favorite. I had all the toys, all the play sets, tuck and roll. Great. They had tuck and roll figures that you would press one button on one of them and then the other one would respond. And it was great. And I loved them. Anyway, that's my role as I talk about a bug's life. You're the, you're the person who in every episode you find one movie and that is the topic of yes. that is the thing that's that's like, what I focus the on. The League of Extraordinary <laughs> my my son uh was playing around in the he's getting to the point where he's like more mobile and like he gets to the bookshelf and pulls a bunch of books off the bookshelf and he pulled The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen off the shelf and I was like I remember that joke that we did. Mm-hmm. My name's Tristan Johnson. I do the I am typically the one who st- goes to the dark places of the recesses of knowledge frontiers and comes back with extremely basic facts that ancient astronaut theorists got wrong and lied about, uh, usually in a racist fashion. Uh, I have great news about the question, what do you call a bug furry? Because I did find a thread about this on r slash furry. Excellent. I knew that this discourse existed, but I wanted the, the conversation to be unencumbered by any knowledge or facts. So here, here, I'll just give you the top three or four and then you can tell me your favorite we got skelly as an exoskeleton we got exo as an exoskeleton we got Mm. you know i'm an exo well i've got a whole group of exos we got crawlies creepy crawlies Ooh, that's a good one uh someone calls them insectoids i don't know about that one it's a little too clinical it feels like that it's one a bit for too many me. syllables i am i i even though those are all very good and i am not part of the community so i really don't have much of a vote but i would say mm. that i am partial to zoidbergs for some reason zoidbergs. that makes me happy but uh but i also just really like zoidbergs so that's a good there's another one here that i do like but i don't quite understand it because it feels like a it feels like an etymology thing that I don't quite get, which is ch- chitinese. Oh yeah, um, the substance that um the shells of bugs are made out of is called chit- oh chitinese. Yeah, right. I get you. You made that joke earlier. I just didn't see it written out. I get it. Yeah. Um, some people just call them buggies. I kind of like crawlies. 
Crawleys. Crawleys is pretty good. Gotta, gotta say, though it would be uh, it would be exclusionary of anybody whose fursona is a shrimp. That's true. Too. They're, they're swimmies then at that point. I guess if everyone's saying fur is you know, it's it's whatever the, the outside is, be skelly or exos or something like that. It doesn't. We're not in the community. We can't decide. But I like this conversation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, everyone. why do we keep talking about this? Yeah. So this episode is about sort of two related concepts because they decided to relate them to each other in the episode that we talked about, which is uh, specifically two types of people like sort of anthropomorphic animal people hybrids that ancient aliens on our recent episode came to the conclusion must be uh, signs of alien encounters. Oh, and that is two of them. So uh, we'll go into the two of them. So the first is that ancient astronauts think that that the Hopi who write about a group of people called the Anusinum or ant people okay are actually there's two different things they're either first of all both them aliens of some kind of course some have proposed that their depictions lend credence to the idea that these might be depictions of the 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 classic gray aliens oh and i guess so ants do sort of have that that shape of head where it's sort of like an upside down teardrop sort of shape yeah. The other thing, too, is because they're called Anusinom, some have theorized that this is similar to the uh, Babylonian term Anunnaki, okay. which is uh, <laughs> another sort of uh, highly alien associated uh, group of deities that show up in uh, ancient Mesopotamia. I don't want to derail us immediately, but this is this is words are thought fossils, yeah, right? Like this, this is definitely is, this is the same. And I don't know if these you could tell me that they actually are connected, the Anusinom and the Anunnaki. You could tell me that they are, but it very much feels like the same logic that ancient aliens used about like Dogon, Dragon, uh, Dag, Dagon. They're all connected, even though they're different cultures and different civilizations, because the words, because it's a two syllable word that sounds somewhat the same. Mm-hmm. Words are thought fossils. I mean, I was, I was in the ancient times to be able to speak to it entirely, but I can pretty confidently say that the ancient Hopi people who typically lived in the American South west probably had little to no contact with ancient mesopotamian people who lived in modern day iraq uh probably before the like bronze age (laughs) that's you know what well we don't know for sure that's why we have the word probably never say never this podcast yeah uh, i feel like you're probably right that feels like a bit of a stretch um the other one is that uh that so the anunnaki being associated with that but then the other is that there were depictions in many cultures of snake people serpentine figures that then reference to uh they could definitely be reptilian aliens the scalies of space no space furries yet no furries they point to things like serpent gods in Hindu mythology or in uh, Mes- Mesoamerican culture to all be evidence that uh, there is some sort of reptilian alien, because why would two different cultures depict snakes in such a fashion? And so it's the idea that these aren't mm-hmm. just like symbols or cultural narratives, but are literal accounts of extraterrestrial beings. So that is that is the that is the attempt at a take that we are going to be looking at today. Okay. Snakes are aliens. Yeah. That's interesting. The devil was an alien. If oh, yeah, yeah. Look. We'll get into that. But yeah. Oh, really? Oh, oh. fun. <laughs> I imagine we won't get into like, like in more detail. They'll probably talk about it later. But yeah, like, uh, for example, uh, let's start with the ant people. So again, please do. They're depicted as people with ant like features. As you can see with this, uh, I showed you a picture that you can probably right click save as. I'm doing it right now. This instant. But well, these- this is on Notion now and I have access. So it's actually right click download. Ah. It, does, it just says download now. Nice. But you can see like they're depicted with like the pincers of ants and they're sort of ant like people. Yeah, I guess I thought they were antenna, but I guess you're sort of right. If their heads facing upwards, they're sort of pincer esque. Yeah. yeah. So these are these are the ant people that, uh, according to Hopi legend, uh, helped the Hopi people by sheltering them underground during global cataclysms. Mm-hmm. And they believe that these people are possibly the Sumerian Anunnaki. Uh, okay. Because in a thing looks like a thing fashion. Yep. The the name that they call them Anusinam. They thought sounded enough like Anunnaki to literally that is the connection. That is all they need. Literally nothing except for the Anu part. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like it, and it's just a two syllable it's again it's another two syllable thing that sounds like this other thing yeah the other one is that they also think that this is a thing looks like a thing fashion for depicting 
grays so that this could also be gray aliens. Those are the two major okay. theories about Can that. I, I did a bad job of painting a word picture of what these looked like, but now that you've brought up that people say these look like grays, I don't see that at all. Yeah, me neither. All. Let me paint a word picture for everyone. Imagine a, a trapezoid body, wide shoulders, narrow hips, sort of elongated, and the, the arms, are, arms and legs are just sort of stick figure. The legs are actually cute because they are just like stick figure legs. The arms on, they sort of have their they got a spiral attached to them so it almost looks like one of them it looks like the arm is a spiral the other one it looks like yeah. the spiral is like radiating out from the hand you see like this that. you see this sort of spiral motif show up in a lot of mesoamerican like or not mm-hmm. mesoamerican sorry of uh specifically people like indigenous people who live in the american southwest yeah and i should say it's not actually a spiral it's more just like concentric circles over and over outward it's mm-hmm. not one continuous uh line but the head is where I think the interesting stuff is. The head is sort of like like a box on a, the neck, which is like a slender rectangle. And the it, the head has these like antler type things or antenna type things that I guess sort of like pinch inward like pincers. And then what to me look like earrings dangling off the, the side of the head as well. Yeah, that was my Nothing thought Nothing about this says grays to me. It is not does not look like it doesn't look like big head little body if anything it looks very like regular human proportion where like sort of big regular human size body <laughs> versus regular human size head the closest ant depiction i could think of is um what's that guy's name um the guy who played rocky balboa uh sylvester stallone yeah it looks like sylvester stallone's character in ants <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit see i was more of a bugs life sort of guy so i don't really have a uh thing for that i don't think they had a buff ant in a bug's life they did have hopper kind of looks like hopper not an ant but anyway does not look like the grays i don't get that at it might be a different all. depiction I, the, the two things i could think of is that there's either another depiction that i wasn't able to find on google image search okay or that they were like hey if you look like i could see uh it's been a bit since i watched the episode but i could see like giorgio suclos being like if you think about an ant they have these large heads, like <laughs> yeah. black eyes. Could very easily be a depiction of a gray alien. I guess so. Yeah. And then anyway. they would have faded to a picture of like a depiction of a gray, and they probably would have like faded one on top of the other, and it would have looked completely different. But <laughs> they made the association anyway. <laughs> we'll you try to write we'll, ancient we'll, aliens. I could do this. That's easy. Well, we'll we'll try to remember to uh, tweet at these uh, photos on Twitter and Blue Sky for people who follow us over yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, All so right. What's the next thing? The next we one is is the whole thing about snake people that various cultures uh refer to serpentine uh humanoids and they're depicted as being like uh or they believe that they are like reptilian extraterrestrials again we mentioned that in hindu mythology you see serpent gods in mesoamerica you see some important serpent gods specifically yeah. they make a big deal about mesoamerica because uh quetzalcoatl the the sort of aztec serpent god which is depicted as like a serpent with quetzal feathers on him sure yeah is often depicted as leaving and and thought of like would come back someday mm-hmm. because there's a sort of like a little bit embellished myth that they the your um that the aztecs or the, the sort of mesoamerican people thought that the europeans arriving because of the direction they came from and cardinal direction is really important to the mesoamericans that like, ah. they were the return of quetzalcoatl and that they thought they were gods and people sort of mythologized that even though it was not extremely true but they did have a sort of myth about quetzalcoatl like mm-hmm. leaving and that one day he would come back and they've latched onto that being like it's the aliens because they're going to come back someday oh I guess so. In that logic, Jesus is an alien because he also left and said he'd come back someday. In that logic, my dad is an alien. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) My dad said that he would go out for cigarettes and then he never came back. Must be an alien. Alien. (laughs) Typical alien. I would love if like uh, Giorgio Sukalos was like, because you see, like, for example, when my father went out to get milk and cigarettes (laughs) and said he would come back, what he meant was he was going to the Beetlejuice system to to Mm -hmm. to collect from the Milky Way. Yep. 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 what yep. is and he would return what is with dust? Great what is space dust but smoke? <laughs> <laughs> it just makes all of them feel so much sadder <laughs> when you when you think about them. But yeah, the idea is that they're uh, that they are aliens that have interacted with humans, imparting knowledge and influencing ancient civilizations. So this is the whole thing about like aliens showed up and uh, came in the form of gods that then imparted knowledge to us and uh, we passed on. And they would argue yep. that like, you know, Prometheus is an argument is like a sort of reflection of that, like with the whole thing, but also what was the serpent of the devil of the, of the garden of Eden, oh. but 
like giving the knowledge of good and evil, right? And that alien with advanced extraterrestrial knowledge coming to Earth, telling us, hey, here's how you move big rocks. You guys heard about um, doing enough ayahuasca that you can move big rocks? (laughs) Do you want to move stuff with your mind? Do you want to move stuff with your fucking mind come party with me dude to be fair ayahuasca uh very important in religious rituals for the people who who use it but uh but that's why people like graham cock saying that you could just take so much ayahuasca that you can move rocks with your mind is is annoying but like here's the thing about this and this is the part that we'll i'll go into it briefly and then i will go into the overly elaborate explanation later but here's the first thing uh to understand the ant people you have to understand that maybe if you can like think a little bit about what role ants play symbolically in the culture of the hopi so okay. you could imagine that, say, you know, you live in the American Southwest where there are some, you know, there are ants, lots of I mean, there are you, ants. You go to like literally yeah. any place on Earth, you're going to find ants. But uh, you could imagine and that in their culture, especially because they saved the Hopi through two disasters, that ants seem to symbolize things like community, hard work, perseverance. Yeah. All things yeah. that we would probably suggest being ant-like in their uh, in 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 feature. Okay, yeah, ants stronger together. Sort of the theme of a bug's life, stronger than our oppressors. I see it. I believe there's the part. I'm like, I'm getting the movies wrong again because there's the part where they turn into a wrecking ball to escape from the flooding ant hill. That's that's ants, isn't it? I think that might be ants. I never watched ants. I was a Bugs Life household. That's fine. It's a Woody. What's it called? It's Woody. What's his face? Harrelson? No, the guy no. who married his stepdaughter. Um, Woody Allen. Yeah, it's a Woody Allen movie, so it doesn't, doesn't get it. Doesn't get a lot of. Doesn't deserve a lot of love. So it, it was a weird example of a animated cartoon animal. <laughs> Woody Allen movie, which I'm just like, I did not know that that was a thing that the world needed, but okay. Well, look, to bring a different example in, they do this in uh, the Ant-Man movies. See, I know about comics and superheroes. Yeah. They make ants turn into rafts so that Scott Lang can ride them down the water. They work together. Yeah. Community. So it wouldn't be too surprising to be like, say if you wanted to tell a story, if you say you were a culture like the Hopi that live in, say, okay, a desert part of the country that is dry and has weather that is fairly unreliable and can be quite harsh. Yeah. And then say you have regular knowledge of a species like ants that are sure. industrious, communal, hardworking, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and persevere through hard times. And then you have a myth that your people survived two periods in the past of natural disaster where the weather tried to destroy the earth by ant people taking you in and keeping you safe with their hard work, perseverance and community, almost as if it's a story about the importance of community resilience, hard work in the face of an, uh, of a climate. I like it. (laughs) I like it a lot. Actually. I like the idea of seeing something around you and being like, this is thematically relevant to, to this story of getting of, of survival. I don't know. It's it's really cool to just sort of like see, I mean, that's art, right? That's sort of art and storytelling and like cool, cool stuff. It's just like being inspired by the, by the stuff around you. Yeah. The other part of it is that, again, I think we've already kind of covered this, but Anu Sinom is, its resemblance to Anunnaki is extremely superficial. Yeah. So, like, uh, it just, it doesn't even feel like it's worth addressing that it's like, this is. (laughs) No. It's a two, look, I get it. It's just a two syllable thing, right? It's just the Anu. Anu is the only part that is similar and it's two syllables and there's not a lot of two syllable things that don't sound that, you know, like there's not a lot of ways you can arrange two syllables to sound unique. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't feel like that. There's much there except that. Yeah. Is that fair to say? It's quite a stretch. Uh, Yeah. And the other thing too, is that, you know, this is again, doing a thing that ancient aliens always does, which is making a superficial story, attaching aliens to it, but not doing anything to try to do a, a strong understanding of the cultural or historical context of the things in which they're talking about. Cause uh-huh. you think about it, if you're trying to make an extreme claim, like this is extraterrestrial influence on mankind, you probably want to do what scientists would do if they were trying to prove that hypothesis, which is basically rule out more understandable hypotheses. Uh, and then yeah. you're, cause then, you know, the whole, like once you eliminate the, the, uh, the impossible, then whatever's left, no matter how improbable it is, has to be the true thing. And you know, that's, Sherlock Holmes. 
Neutrons. Yeah. Is that who said that? I think so, yes. I think so. I learned that from Jimmy Neutron. I learned it from uh, The Undiscovered Country, Star Trek Sex, The Undiscovered Country, where it implies nice. that uh, Sherlock Holmes Look at is a, a relative of Spock. Neither got it from the original source. <laughs> no, but I do want to do do point out that in The Undiscovered Country, the way that it's attributed, they kind of imply that Spock is related to Sherlock Holmes. Amazing. Which I, I, I do, I do want to uh, give attention to. Very strange, considering I don't believe he's a real person. Well, no. I guess neither of them are. No. So it doesn't really matter. No, but I do believe it is established that Sherlock Holmes is fiction in Star Trek. So, yes. That's okay. They did a scoop. Sherlock Holmes appeared on Scooby-Doo and Velma freaked out the whole time because she was like, but he's not a real person. And then it, anyway, it was got com- confusing. That makes Sherlock sense. Holmes, man, borders, borders reality. Is he real? Is he not? Who can say? He's a cryptid. Um, he's public domain. He belongs to all of us. That's all you need to know. Yeah, him and Mickey Mouse are now uh, off. Uh, they, they, they got married. Having sex. Yeah, they're Legally, having, we can say that they're now. having very graphic sex uh, yes. after they got married and adopted a bunch of kids. And it's very cute. Yes. It's adorable. It's very, yeah, it's, it, they, they found each other uh, in the public domain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think of what Sherlock Holmes persona would be, but uh, I don't want to dive into that. It's definitely a bloodhound, right? Beep boop editor Scott here recording directly on my phone because I wanted to share a joke that I initially said when we recorded this episode, but my microphone didn't pick it up, which is disappointing. When Tristan said that Sherlock Holmes' persona would almost certainly be a bloodhound, I responded, well, of course he would be. He is the Hound of Baskerville. And I thought that, would, that was funny, and I wanted to give you some time to laugh at that. And we can, we'll go back right back to the episode now. Uh, the other part is the snake people. So lots of uh, the thing about, and I'll get into more detail on this later, but snakes represent different things in a lot of different cultures. And we have like a pretty decent breakdown of it and reasons why that I'll get into. But like in, you know, Hindu mythology, snakes are a representation of death, rebirth, and mortality. Um, if you know anything about Hinduism, death and rebirth, big part of it. Huge. Um, reincarnation of the concept of samsara, big thing in Hinduism. So yeah. there is that uh, the Mesoamericans uh, a pic- uh, depicted uh, Quetzalcoatl, the serpent god, as uh, sort of uh, c- the idea of the connection between the earth and the heavens. Uh, OK. And of course, we see in the history that these uh, symbols have evolved and that they, they, they you can see like the lineage of these stories as they develop and change over time. Or so- yep. And again, it's another time where you're stripping away all of the cultural context and just being like, this thing looks like an alien. It it's looks, a, like, it an looks alien. like a snake. That's all snakes you need to know. So there you go. Yeah. And of course, like the reason that they do this is because they're relying on their personal interpretation of ancient texts, artifacts and structures without any like evidence. They're not they're not doing any thing. Yeah, they are looking at it with with the stuff that they know or the the stuff that they're interested in, I should say. Yeah. And and being like this, I could probably squeeze this to fit without actually doing much research, if any research into the actual culture of the of of this stuff. Yeah. And again, I think that it's important to note because of why this is a process issue, which is that I think that anybody, it would not be insane to say that uh, the idea that extraterrestrials visited Earth in the past is what we would call a big claim. And so if you wanted to make that claim, you would need extremely high standards of evidence because you would need to basically prove like you would need to eliminate all of the other more explainable explanations before you remove it, which like, you know, if there was extraterrestrial intervention in humanity like that i think that you could find those and we have not because it seems like they are more starting with a conclusion and then doing whatever they can to try and fill in what they want to do and i think it gets worse over time as ancient aliens gets way more seasons than eric von daniken has ideas or other people's (laughs) ideas i should say and then uh and then they have to start making shit up and it starts getting weird so we'll see where that goes well hold on what do you mean then they start making stuff up well then they they, they, yeah okay i guess they run out of like they run out of low-hanging fruit and then they start really stretching but uh yeah 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 but yeah there's no evidence of this there's nothing like there's nothing like like there's not you need something and unfortunately you are giving us a vague personal interpretation based on a non-expert yeah like look like yeah just just to sort of be the devil's advocate i guess the the alien devil's advocate 
uh, I would say the show Ancient Aliens is not necessarily trying to prove anything. They're just asking questions, Tristan. They're yeah. just asking the big questions. And like, hey, I'm not saying it's true or false. I'm just asking a question. Mm-hmm. I believe we call that plausible deniability. Yep. <laughs> So that you don't have to uh, actually back up the things you say. You can just say stuff and be like, well, hey, I never said that that was definitively the thing. I never provided any necessary proof. I'm just asking these questions. Yeah. And like, you know, that's that all is, I'm saying. Yeah, that is how that is like how Internet sophistry works, where so many people say horrible things. And then you're like, hey, do you want to like actually back up the things you're saying? And they're like, I'm just asking questions. I think they call that the Joe Rogan defense at this point. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah, but uh, I, I want to go more into detail about ant people and snake people and like what these things are but first i, okay. I want to tell you about the glorious world of product or service whoa okay let's I, go i want to live a life of service or a life of product very, very ant like of you yes to want to be of service all right let's let's go do ant stuff But yeah, let's talk about ant people because I wanted to be like, oh, this seems interesting. So why don't I get more into it? So in Hopi mythology, ant people or the Anusinam are uh, figures who, as I mentioned, saved the Hopi through different cataclysms. They believe okay. that they're that they live right now in the third world. The first world had been destroyed by fire. The second world had been destroyed by ice. And at Dang. both of those times, they were guided by an oddly shaped cloud and a star at night that led them to the ant people who provided them refuge and sustenance in subterranean caves during these cataclysms. And we talked about in a previous episode how caves in like a lot of their indigenous, like if you think about caves from the perspective of like people who don't have like light and maps, like would have been a uh, like artificial light, I should say. They did have light was invented back then. The sun invented it ages ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the Bible. Yeah. But like the thing is like the amount of cave exploring you could do. So like caves were kind of seen as these like mythical like holes that like like would endlessly go to all sorts of crazy places. And so they basically thought that like the ants and it wouldn't also be too surprising if you like look at like the structure of an ant colony that like you could see it as like a cave would be like a a giant ant colony. So yeah, they believe that that they were and there's all these like stories in indigenous mythology about like the under like under the earth being this like place full of all sorts of like a whole other world and so the idea that these these ant people who came from another world took them in to their other place and kept them safe in their underground lair until the sort of that girl on tiktok's doing she's digging a hole she's digging to the bottom trying to build a whole ant collar ant colony for people she's trying to find the ant people um Mm -hmm. I for I find that stuff interesting. I'm also like, we're just gonna abruptly see no more stuff, and we're gonna find out that she like caved herself in or something. Yep. It's gonna be really sad. It's gonna be sad. It feels like every time I see it, I'm like, this is a tragedy waiting to happen. Like everyone is watching somebody do something extremely reckless and dangerous. We have have we not learned from last year to from from last year's yeah, let's say Titanic related disaster that maybe we should stop going down. Maybe, maybe it's enough to not just, maybe we can learn from the Titanic, from the, from the, what's it called? Not the ever given. That was the big boat stuck. The most hilarious moment in the recent (laughs) That was great. But but if we go back to like the Titanic, um, the, the, the billionaires that went boom, um, like safety is important. Safety good. I like safety. Safety regulations are not things that get in the way of progress. They are what keep humans alive instead of dead. So that progress can keep happening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so maybe just stop going down just for funsies. Maybe, maybe there's a reason why we make laws about why you shouldn't just randomly start a mine in your basement. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, that's, but also it's very entertaining. So, you know, and and, it is also entertaining and they might find ant people. I don't know. And now it's content. So she's going to have to keep doing it until, um, she like hits a electric vein and like sets her house on fire or something. Who knows? Anyways, who knows? Hoping for the best. Yeah. All I can think of is that other incident where this guy hired another guy to dig underneath his house to build like an underground bunker network. And then it's, there was a fire that set and a bunch of smoke got in and he died of smoke inhalation. And it's like, uh, like <sighs> digging is hard. Like this is the reason why, there's rules. Anyways, I'm they sorry. Made, that's why they made a video. They made Dig Dug one of the first video games to to curb everyone's uh, thirst for digging. So yeah. you don't have to do it in real life. They already made Dig Dug. It's a, it's a thirst trap. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, what a thirst trap is, yes? Is Dig I believe Dug, so. Dig I Dug think, is a thirst trap? Dig Dug is a thirst trap. Let's just say that and we'll leave it there. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like the... Um, 
the ant people gave them refuge, gave them sustenance in these caves. And then uh, they said that they were generous, they were industrious, and they taught a Hopi, they taught the Hopi a lot of the survival skills that they then used when they went back to the surface to build their their dwellings, because the Hopi like lived in like these sort of like rock dwellings and nice. uh, learned how to live, like learned how to farm without with minimal water because of the dry climate they lived in and cool. learned about like the stars and the math of things like they said that they learned how all of these survival skills from the ant people, which if you think about the overall theme that I talked about with like Mm -hmm. the ant people being a symbol of like the power of like collective action and like community resilience in a tough culture. The idea that then they were taken in by these people and taught the example of all of the things that they then learned for how they survive in a desert. It all makes sense. It all cohesively fits thematically into the Hopi mythological identity. Yes. Yes. This is good. You would like you would you would like a bug's life if you watched it. I have it. seen a bug's life. Yes. Well, it's still good. The only the only Pixar's I think that I have entirely skipped are the cars because nothing That's looked fine. appealing about those. I only watched those a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, so they, they're like that's that's the that's the role that the ant people play in Hopi heritage, and I think it's important to like give it that distinction. The Anunnaki, yeah. uh, we've already done an entire episode on, but we they're like yeah, they are ancient Mesopotamian deities that have been associated with various things over the like thousands of years that they were worshipped, um, including Scooby Doo, including Scooby Doo, real. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a joke. Uh, you listen to our episode about it if you want to hear me talk about scooby-doo for 10 minutes and how it relates to the anunnaki not even like theoretically but blatantly it's a fun time the the least believable part of scooby-doo is that scooby-doo hasn't died of hip dysplasia or um he's a descendant <laughs> of the anunnaki that's his whole thing he's an alien he's a descendant Genetic of alien. abuse. dogs weren't meant to be that big <laughs> Great Danes have health issues by much. Gosh, I, I do not give off the vibe of a Great Dane, but I wish I did so that my fursona could look like Scooby-Doo. But that's, I don't think that's me. That no, doesn't a Great Dane me. is like a person who is like six foot five and yeah. weighs like 280 Lanky. and is like a really good hugger. Like that is. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically Shaggy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like Shaggy is like a, the, the Shaggy's human a bit version. Too, I, I guess like, yeah. Shaggy, he's yeah. like, he's lanky and he's a good hugger. He's not big, you know. But, you know, there's the implication that he is the most stoned human being who's ever lived. But yeah, that had much like great dance. Yeah. Like great dance. Uh, but yeah, they were believed to be descendants of An, who is the god of the heavens and Ki, the goddess of the earth. And yep. that their role was that they were sort of like the fates. They determined how humanity would go out and that they were kind of the the set. They were like the voting body that made decisions okay. about the fate of humanity from like in the supernatural sense. Oh. They've yeah. had there's a number of different Anunnaki deities. They've had different names and functions that have changed across different periods because, as I said, they were around for a long time. They were worshipped by the Sumerians, the Akkadians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. And so like mm-hmm. all over Mesopotamia, the Anunnaki were like a big thing. Um, the Anusinam are part of Hopi mythology and are a helpful people who helped survive a cataclysm. They're not the, the, the difference, like the, but beyond like the Anu at the Radically beginning of the different. word, like you, you get completely different things. Absolutely. Um, like I said, there look, there's many there's many ways to make a two syllable sound, but there is also a finite amount of ways to make a yeah. two syllable sound. <laughs> yeah, and plus also this is like before like, you know, when the or this is after the end of the Pleistocene where the land bridge between Beringia, like the land bridge between Alaska and uh and Russia had melted. Uh-huh. And at that point any connection between the like old world and the new world was very limited. Like there's some evidence that some Polynesian people with, with absolutely insane sailing skills, by the way, anything, anytime you learn about Polynesian stuff, it was like mind blowing. Like there's some evidence that some Polynesian people made some contact with the Americas. And of course there's also the story of Leif Erikson, the, uh, the Viking who landed in, uh, who landed in uh, Finland, which is today Newfoundland. But beyond that, like there was very little, if, if no, depending upon like, like no, none that left any evidence anyway of contact between these two parts of the world until, uh, 
basically the end of the 15th century with the Columbian exchange. So there's not, there's no evidence, like there's not, there's no evidence that there would even be something that would cause like a linguistic connection or anything like that. It's just simply superficial. Um, Gray aliens, uh, which also apparently are referred to according to the uh, alien Wikia that I found, which I find, which that that was how, that was how I found my gray alien lore, which I find funny because like people who believe in UFO stuff would think that it's like, you know, this is real stuff, but that it's on like the Wikias, which are like what you use for like organizing star wars facts <laughs> yeah <laughs> um which also go by the nicknames of zeta reticulans equally real by the way equally it just real. happened a long time ago in a galaxy far far yeah. away and we're just now getting the transmissions perfect um they also go by the name of zeta reticulans or roswell grays or simply grays that are like long-limbed large black eyed like it's an alien if you, you know, know what, what an alien, gray is, alien is yeah it's a the gray alien is widely represented as the idea of like the real extraterrestrials that people had real contact with um which predominantly started uh since the 1960s when you know depictions of these aliens started showing up in science fiction and then all uh-huh. of a sudden people said they started seeing them in real life they don't talk a whole lot about that one usually it's linked to the 1947 ufo crash in roswell when uh as we learned a person who had a head injury and massive uh-huh. swelling basically led to this entire branch of ufo mythos yes. being born another great episode if you want to go back yeah. and listen to our roswell episode that was the funniest thing i think i've ever learned on this on this show yeah the roswell incident being so formative meant that so many like things that would be considered not that important ended up becoming like very important to the mythos like yeah a guy getting a head injury <laughs> causing a swollen head causing the big head thing a bunch of people dying in a very bad like a, like a experimental plane crash leading to uh the whole concept of like the like a crash happening an alien autopsy like yeah it's yeah. wild um again this is it's hard I, I feel like i'm always like when i'm writing notes i'm like is this too obvious but i'm like i'm gonna forget to say it otherwise so this is speculative the connection between yep. them extremely so um sounds like it and that like ant people being interpreted as grays uh mostly because of the idea that the uh the gray aliens taught like didn't like like that the, that they seem like they're adapted to the dark so that they would live in caves obviously and oh interesting that they are also helpful which is interesting because they kind of they're sometimes depicted as helpful and sometimes depicted as evil which is wild hey they contain multitudes yeah but yeah, the idea is that gray aliens uh, can link themselves to 1950s science fiction serials that then people thought were real when they started interpreting their PTSD as uh, alien encounters, or they found yeah. that they could get content out of it. Because as we all know, people are willing to yeah. make up a bunch of shit if they can make content out of it. I mean, that's all fiction writers. Yeah. <laughs> Changing gears to snakes. Snakes have shown up in mythology all the time. Probably the most famous for Westerners is uh, Gorgons. Like, for Gorgons, example, the Medusa, Medusa, which is a Gorgon who has snakes growing out of her hair and could turn people into stone. Yep. In Hindu mythology, snakes play an important role. There's these things called Nagas, which are sort of these spiritual uh, beings that have special attributes. Sometimes they're depicted as having multiple arms, which is like a sort of sign Ooh. of divinity in Hinduism. The more yeah. arms, the more divine. That's if you wanted to know what the cheat sheet was for why that is the factor in Hindu depictions of gods. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, they're like half human, half serpent. Sometimes they're depicted. The three main forms of them are humans with snakes on their head or on their neck okay. uh, or just serpents like just snakes or as like sure. half human half snake creatures uh, they're Love typically it. associated with things like rivers and lakes which is also really significant because in Hinduism rivers are very important um, specifically there are like holy rivers like the Ganges that are uh, important so they're kind of depicted as like guardians of these rivers um, rivers are just rivers are just water snakes what? yeah in a way where do you, you think I, about it I wouldn't be surprised if that is part of the inspiration right mm. um they are power they're known as being powerful and intelligent creatures that guard things that they're basically guardians between you'll see this so often guardians between the world of the living and the sort of world of like the divine and uh specifically with water uh like there's a whole thing about that barrier and water in hinduism that they sort of yeah. live in. they're also a symbol of renewal regeneration the concept of infinity which if you understand samsara and the concept of like rebirth and all that kind of stuff you understand that like why there's yeah. such a big deal in hinduism um, snake eating its own tail is that mm-hmm. the thing or that's an ouroboros that we'll get into thing. that in a second but uh okay that's also 
also um, the guy from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. You're right. Yeah. When Gosh, I, when I was watching, I, I watched the season two of Loki and I was like, that's the guy from Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I'm like, that's a lot of words to say for a thing. And then I'm also like, that's the guy from uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. He's in that show. Yeah. I'm like, ah. What a good movie. Yeah. What a good actor. What a, what a lot of great actors for such a mid show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've heard the second season ends okay, but I haven't. It's okay. It, it's got a decent ending, but yeah, it's another one of the, it's another Marvel Disney thing. I did watch the first episode of Echo. And I've heard Echo whips. I've heard like I, it's good. Uh, the first episode was good. There's a couple things I thought were funny. One, Wilson Fisk uh, being able to hire a full-time ASL interpreter to talk to one underling and yep. to find one of those people who's willing to do that and like listen Keep to all this organized crime <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then two, like this is the most, this is the most like hearing, this is the most deaf inclusive organized crime organization I've ever seen. That's awesome. But it does, it does seem like it's going to be like Echo versus kingpin fighting over like a town in oklahoma which sounds freaking cool and hell the yeah. actor they got to play echo she seems really really cool so um, oh, she's great yeah she was in hawkeye too yeah yeah and it does seem like they're they did like the marvel spotlight thing where they're just going like full circle back to just what they did on netflix and yeah. it seems like they're they're making they made fisk scary again which i like i um, like it yeah, so uh, you see Nagas as also guardians of treasure. This is, I think, why they are featured prominently in a another work of literature I've read called the Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual, in which mm, there are spirit classic. and bone Nagas that you can uh, you can throw in, which is probably of different degrees of cultural sensitivity to Hindus, but okay. Huh, yeah. They have angels, they have demons. I feel like uh, no one's safe from the Dungeons no and Dragons. No one's safe from 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 Wizards of the Coast. Literally nobody no. is safe from Wizards of the Coast. No. Uh god. We can't go into it. We've yeah, talked about we it talk, so much. We, we've digressed so much, but they've like they've gotten in new shit like in the last week. But uh Jesus anyways. Christ. Yeah, using AI art for the social media stuff. Oh, um, I did see that. Fuck. For an organization Jesus. that hires so many artists. Anyways, um, you see Nagas in like temples, especially in Southern India, uh, which we also talked about Southern India at in an episode. But uh, oftentimes also you see as door guardians depictions of Nagas in Buddhist stuff because Buddhism and Hinduism are very, very intertwined. Buddhism is basically an offshoot of Hinduism. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's much more complicated than that, but like they're very highly like... Their relationship is, this will be, this is very, I'm being very, very abstract, but their relationship is, is in the same ballpark as like how Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are related. Like they have, like they had, they have origins together and like, you know, some are older, but like you can, there, there's some similarities, but differences and everything. I don't know. Sure. There are some notable Nagas in Hindu mythology, like Shisha and Vasuki. And we actually mentioned, uh, Nagas in the Will-O-Wisps episode because they're associated with water and those swamps can make those sort of like burning balls of fire light fire yeah and so those are called like i think like nagas in uh like if you go to india or other places that were hindu like like thailand and like bangladesh and such like that like kind of like uh-huh. southeast asia where like they they have a history of hinduism like places like yeah vietnam cambodia like all those areas have legends of nagas because hit that that whole area used to be hindu at a certain point and they uh, so like these show up in like the kind of swampier parts because there's very swampy parts of those part places. That's cool. Another episode to listen to mm-hmm. if you haven't caught that one. Yeah, lots of recommendations. There are rituals there. Uh, they typically are like, there's rituals done to them specifically around fertility and prosperity and also that they're protectors of things like springs, wells, rivers, and that they bring rain and fertility, but they can also, if angered, bring things like floods and droughts. So like, they're the people you don't want to piss off because they basically are the ones who control the water. Yeah. In Native American mythology, serpent symbolism is also seen in many places. Peruvians, uh, worshipped great snakes the mapuche in chile had a serpent figure in something called their deluge beliefs uh mm-hmm. in north american native mythology you see something called the horned serpent which is this evil uh flood creating creature that uh sort of has a sort of like flood narrative aspect to it in mesoamerica we have quetzalcoatl which you will see yeah. all over if you go to mexico and see any ancient temple you'll see is all over the place in in the mayan areas there it goes by the name of Kukulkan, but it's basically depicted as like a snake with feathers all around and if you've ever seen any Mm. You probably like you have probably seen a depiction of Quetzalcoatl. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And then of course you see it in Christian mythology with things like Eve uh, and the sort of yes. depiction of serpents tempting as a. I don't remember. Like I think in like Judaism it's not Satan, but in Christianity it is Satan. I was definitely taught 
as someone who grew up Christian, that it was Satan tempting and 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 all this because there's even it call there, it calls forward to that in the New Testament where Jesus does a thing where a snake comes up to him and he crushes the snake's head beneath his foot and it's sort of like a it's sort of like a crushing of temptation like Jesus is gonna beat the devil sort of a thing so there's okay. like a there's a call back to it in the New Testament basically okay. well there's the, the, that's a, that's the thing that's the thing like so snakes that all is to say is that snakes is one of the most snakes are one of the oldest and most widespread mythological symbols in human history and mm-hmm. basically every place that has snakes and some places that don't but have like that have traveled to places that have snakes uh, mm-hmm. have some sort of depiction of snakes showing up they're seen as not a place of like knowledge truth renewal mostly people suspect it's because of their uh they they shed their skin so oh. snakes regularly like all reptiles uh, asterisk i don't know if that's universal but most reptiles anyway uh mm-hmm. when they uh they basically get a new skin they shed their old skin and they sort of rub it off but snakes do it in a way so that oftentimes their leftover skin is like more intact so you see like a bunch of like like you can see yeah. like a big line that shows it and oftentimes when they come out like you know scars will be more healed and they'll be like you know refreshed mm. and everything like that and that has been interpreted over and over again by many civilizations as an idea of like rebirth or re renewal i like it i was trying to figure out why snakes specifically i was like yeah. is it because they don't have legs that didn't really get me anywhere yeah uh the other thing too is that they're often seen as um as guardians of places and that is because snakes especially those like rattlesnakes and cobras are very territorial and they are very mm. like they make big displays about their territory like if you were to get close to a cobra when you're getting close to its nest or its territory they frill out their necks and like go yeah. up and it's very dramatic and very like thing uh rattlesnakes if you get close to their territory they literally it's in the name they make this like sound and they they're like hissing like they make yes like, so like that also shows that like they are depicted as like very protective of their places and that you can see that billing into like a whole concept of them being guardians of places um yeah because of the uh, the shedding thing, they became symbols of fertility, wisdom, and because they're also some of them are venomous and uh, can either make you have very, very like be very, very sick or even die with their bites. They've been seen as uh, like connections between the living and the dead. Because if you see a, if you get bitten by a snake, you could die. Of course, and and also if you have like a concept of, of resurrection, then the the shedding thing also helps. That makes sense, and they're low to the ground. Yeah. sometimes. So they, that's I'm why I'm trying they, to think yeah. of that. I was like, there's gotta be something about them not having legs. I don't know. I'm trying to think I'm stretching my stretching my mind a little bit. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that they are, that they shed skin and that they like, you, they like are a thing that you actively see sort of rebirth themselves. It's and everything so, except the legs thing yeah. that I was stuck on. So cool. they often talk about them as being fertility symbols. Um, maybe mm-hmm. also because they look like wangs a little bit. Who knows? Um, maybe that's it. Wangs yeah. don't have legs. Mm-hmm. So we see this as far back as ancient Kemet, which is sort of, the name for the Egyptian religion where snakes are depicted as symbols of energy and wisdom uh, as growth and transformation. And again, you see it with death too. Like for example, uh, the Norse, see a snake as a symbol of death. In fact, in Norse mythology, there's a snake named uh, Jormungandr or something like that that is constantly yeah. trying to like, it's, it's, it's wrapped around the tree of life, uh, Yggdrasil, yeah. and uh, is sort of like, the path between because like Yggdrasil the idea is that the tree is like life and then the roots are the underworld and it's sort of in the middle yeah. there yeah um, the world serpent yeah exactly or Jormungandr or something like that in Norse um, cool you also see even uh, the snake used often in Christian writings like in the book of Kells uh, snake is symbolizing of Christ's resurrection as the snake is reborn mm. and also yeah uh, another symbol often used to represent the eternal cycle of life is the Ouroboros which is a symbol of a snake eating itself yeah um, you can even see these like connections between life and death in like the symbol of uh medicine where you see two snakes one going up and one going down as like the sort of symbol of like medicine being that like line between living and death um, yeah that's a bible thing too yeah i'm pretty sure i um, learned about that yeah the conspiracy the thing though that they're connecting this to with the whole snake people is the reptilian conspiracy which we talked about a lot so i'm not gonna go into too much detail but it's been it's a conspiracy theory about david ike that basically a bunch of people we've done an yeah, episode it's yeah. one of our more popular episodes yeah. about the reptiles and David Icke. It's a yeah. two-parter. It's good stuff. TLDR, though, is that there's a conspiracy theory that David Icke has popularized that uh, all of the elites, but 
very specifically, a lot of the Jewish ones are secret lizard people who are ruling the world, and their inspiration is things like the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a fake document that is the inspiration for basically a lot of modern day anti-Semitism. Mm, very fun, great. But yeah, like uh, so, I try to like look into like how do you actually do comparative mythology? How do you actually look at these different symbols in a way that is good? And comparative mythology is a thing, and you have to kind of understand mythological themes and understand like how these different interpretations of things speak more to universal human experiences and you can use Mm -hmm. comparative mythology to kind of understand how we come to the same conclusions and make the same metaphors because humans across the world experience many of the same things. Uh, One of the things we're talking about here is sort of humanoid animal human hybrids, which do show up in all sorts of things. You see that in Greek and Roman myths. You see like, you know, the, the satyr, right? The half human, half goat or the, the centaur, the half human, half horse. And um, you see things like this in Hindu mythology with people like Ganesha, who is a God that has a human body and an elephant's head or Nagas who shapeshift. Egyptian mythology has like Anubis who has, the head of a jackal and the body of a human or like Tahweret who has the head of a hippo yeah again you see like Jormungandr and Fenrir who is sort of Loki's son uh, who is a wolf of course Um, a lot of these have to do with like when they look into it they seem to be associated with because animals in like you know a pre-technology society sure animals are a thing you interact with the most often right like they're your reference points you can make a comparison because it's like yeah this person's like a jackal because like you see jackals jackals are a common thing that people saw before we had cars that ran them over instead exactly absolutely and so like you can talk about that and then also there's a lot of belief that uh, these sort of animal human hybrid type uh, things also speak to the the sort of cultural memory of the transition from being like nomadic to being settled because like Mm. they're sort of a reference of like human humanity's connection to like a more wild like more connected to the wild than 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 today and so very often like for example centaurs there's a theory that the the concept of the centaur being a half human half horse is more of a reference to like barbaric people specifically people of the steps because people of the steps were so connected to their horses um and that like that might be like sort of their way of showing like they're they're partially wild in a way that would make sense i guess all in all of that would bring us to modern day human animal sort of hybrid mythology of the teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah which are more of a depiction of the uh the the fears of radiation and and uh mutation and uh sort of science going too far that is true and uh, sort of like but sort of like a push for like we need to return like it's a sort of anti-technology thing so there is a sort of like way of using it in the inverse so I, I, there you go. I turned it. I made it legit. Dang it. You took a joke of mine and you made it a real thing. Uh, furries too. Like to kind of go full, full circle. Furries have like can, yeah. can represent that sort of connection between humans and the wild. And it's sort of done in a more playful sense and it's sort of letting go of your conventions and, and things that, that are part of the sort of human social, uh, display where we're so constrained by what we can say, what we can do, how we, how much we can enjoy ourselves and how much we can show off that we're enjoying ourselves and so a lot of people talk about being furries it's like well when i'm in my fursona when i'm in the suit or whatever i can like Mm -hmm. be wild be free have fun like just be goofy be silly be cringy and just enjoy it and so you can kind of think of it as like that sort of imbibing the animal, having a little bit of the wild and sort of make it all come full circle. Unfortunately, though, the, the reptile stuff does have a connection with things like QAnon, where, you know, the idea that there's a deep state cabal of human traffickers and pedophiles and stuff that sort of uh, is why like the sort of making any references to lizard aliens always comes with like Tristan's red flags being like, oh, this is anti-Semitism all over again. And, uh, and yeah, um, I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss on that. But that is that's the that's the very very brief Tristan making very you sad, brief but, but I want to go Tristan I ha- makes you sad I want to end happier on the on the furries furries you guys you guys got it you you get it you get it keep keep doing it this is a pro furry podcast you know what we changed we yeah. went from being furry neutral now we're pro furry uh, you guys know that sometimes to let to, to, to really live life you have to let go a little bit and sometimes getting yourself into another character is the way yeah. to do it so there you go much like a snake shed shed your skin become become a new yeah. become something new are so, we gonna get pushed back for being pro furry i hope not i feel like most of the time anti-furry stuff is just extremely thinly veiled homophobia so i kind of don't care all right sounds good so yeah but but uh, but if you uh but if you are a furry and you enjoy this podcast uh and you want to speculate on our personas you can do so by uh messaging at probs not aliens on twitter or blueski yeah and i said 
I would like people to draw us. You, you don't have to draw us if you're not an artist. You could just tell us what you think our fursonas are, potentially. Mm-hmm. Or our scale sonas. I don't know if they're different. Or our Zoidbergs. Or our Zoidbergs. Twitter and Blue Sky at Probs Not Aliens is where you can find us. Tristan, I assume, is looking up a nice Blue Sky code for everyone if you want to join us over there. And we just got a new batch, too. Woo! Ivan Ares has now sent us two batches of, of free Blue Sky codes to give away. Uh, so it starts with BSKY-social-KUP5H-D2AID. Excellent. First come, first serve. Free to a good home. Uh, thank you so much for uh for giving us those codes and scott yeah hi if i want to learn why the stranger things theme song rules where would i want to go that's a fun one i worked on that with rod kim creator of the theme song to this very podcast yeah. that you listen to he's a very great musical mastermind and he's actually killing it on tiktok right now so. he is you can uh go check out my youtube channel NerdSync, n-e-r-d-s-y-n-c i talk about nerdy shit sometimes i'm working on a bunch of videos including one about licensed cookbooks i think i teased it a while ago i still haven't made it hopefully it's up by now can i tell you see can i tell you that i've taken inspiration from you and i am going to do some laundry videos this year easy good stuff laundry videos is what emily my wife calls videos where you don't have to watch them for anyone listening videos you can watch quote unquote while doing your laundry and that's the sort of stuff i need to make more of Less visual, more just talking. So anyway, you were talking. What were, you were just talking about your own stuff. Where even is that stuff you're talking about? Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Step Back, where I talk about why having a historical understanding of the past is important for making the world make sense. If you're watching this and things haven't gone really awry, my next video should be out, and it is about why history is important for understanding what's going on in Gaza. And it's a uh, it's a really great collaboration with one of my really close friends, who's been a like a like a uh, advocate for the people of Palestine for decades. Well, that sounds like a nice video. Yeah. The other thing too is that where this wouldn't work is that oh. if this, is that if you're listening to this on Nebula because you signed up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probably not aliens, you listened to this last week and that was technically before that video came out. So whoa. So if you're watching on Nebula, sorry, you're after wait got until a next week for the Gaza teaser. video. But yeah. if you are watching this uh, on the wide release, then that means that you could have listened to this episode last week and you can listen to next episode. Next week's episode right now right now if you go to nebula.tv slash probably not aliens that's the one yeah uh you can also write reviews of the show on apple podcasts and leave feedback on spotify and comments on youtube all that good stuff really does help us out uh it helps spread the word of the show i i need to get back to shouting out reviews because that stuff really does help it, it, it the more fresh reviews it means that people are engaged in the show and it helps new people be like, oh, there's an audience for this show. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. get involved in sort of stuff. And it's that, that stuff really helps out. You can also tell your friends about the show. Just shout it at them. Uh, when you're in the grocery store, tell everyone. Put on USB the, keys and throw it at random people. We always recommend that. If you're in the produce section while you're grocery shopping, you're like, this is a nice cucumber. Have you heard about Probably Not Aliens? It just naturally comes up in conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can send people to a very simple website, probsnotaliens.com. It's got links to everything. Every place you can listen to it is great. And that is it. So until next time, my name is Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Probably snake. I didn't even hear you because the Zoom call muted snake. everything. I did a snake oh, thing. Oh, you did a snake thing. Hiss. Hiss. What was that thing was, from uh, Dodgeball? Like I like, was also thinking of Dodgeball. Yeah. <laughs>